Welcome to the X-Block. Am I right, Marie? Sir, yes, sir! Then listen up. You're listening to the X-Block. I'm Jared, and he's Caleb. Let's get into it. You are listening to the X-Block Podcast, episode 18. I'm Jaron, and I'm here with Caleb. Hey, you. And this is the world's number one Xbox podcast. Probably. 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 Forever. <laughs> All right. I hope that that, I, I know no one's going to understand what we're talking about, but that start, <laughs> yo, that needs to stay. That stays in forever. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome. You're listening to our humble Xbox podcast. Please share it with your friends if you are listening. We'd like to, you know, see the numbers grow. But Jaron, what if you don't have any friends? Ah, well, let me know and follow me on Twitter and I'll be your friend. You will? Really? Where can they find you on Twitter, Jaron? At Xblock podcast dude what have what have you been playing this week oh you're gonna ask me He's first dude, we're changing flipped it, up. it on you yeah dude it's all topsy-turvy this week man what time is it 11 30 p.m oh fuck it's yeah. like 12 30 here yeah for you it's in the morning dude that's fucking i don't know i had a cup of coffee i'm ready to go man what have you we've been playing i haven't turned on my xbox since we recorded the last podcast i saw that it said you were <laughs> online four days ago on my phone <laughs> i looked let's see there's your gamer tag right there. Last online, it was four days ago. Played Mafia, some more Mafia on my PC. Okay, totally legal, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And do you like it? Is it like actually? Because I know you've you've been wanting to play that game for like literally since it came out for months, and then you're just waiting for a sale. Never came. Finally, maybe a sale came on PC. Maybe not? Question mark kinda. And yeah, dude. I'm, I'm wondering if you're like if it's as good as you thought it might be. I'm enjoying every moment of it. It is a Hell interesting yeah. game. My uh, PC decided randomly to recognize my TV as a G-Sync monitor, which then way boosted performance of the game. I guess I was just dumb setting it nice. up before, but it totally worked before, but now it works way better. Good. Okay. So are you like halfway through? Three uh, yeah, I think I'm about halfway because I've only like really played twice this week because like the girlfriend came back from her trip, so I was spending a lot of it with her. Yo, God, get, get out of the way, Jerry. Your fucking dick's blocking the door, man. It's so big <laughs> with your fucking girlfriend. Woo. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing, though? I assume... Every time I look at my phone, it says you're playing something. So you've got stories to tell, I'm sure. Uh, well, yeah, every week it's something stupid, right? This week, a little less stupid, though, Jaren, because uh, I've actually mainly just been playing Halo, the Master Chief Collection, Chinese, of course, you know what I mean? Mm. And so I'm at uh, 329 achievements out of 479, because for some reason the game had, like, I guess, updates to, like, some, you know, future versions than just the launch version. So, like, I don't know, it has, like, more achievements than 400, but less than like 500 or like 600. And I think it now has 700. So, you know, that's where the North American, well, normal world version cuts off. But the Chinese one, nah, cuts off at 479. But yeah, dude, I have so many achievements in the Master Chief Collection, dude. If I, ch if I check <laughs> my true achievements thing here, it says that yesterday, yeah, Jaren, listen to me. Yesterday, I got 60 achievements in the Master Jesus Chief Collection Christ. Chinese. Yeah, they're all like five gamer score, but and obviously they're not too hard to get whatever they are because I got 60 of them or maybe they are that hard to get. and I'm just that good. But yeah, I got 60 achievements yesterday. Dude, that's an Asian baker's dozen. It is. dude. And I've been working through. <laughs> I don't like that say. So I've been working through and I got a bunch of achievements in that game just playing through on. I don't know. I could tell you what I'm what I've been doing in that game, but you, you don't care. No one ca no one listening cares about the real intricacies of like finding a hidden corner if you grenade jump across this ledge on the seventh mission at halo 2 and you look up there and it says hi ben and you're like it's like bloop, bloop you found this easter egg thing no one cares about that so i've been playing that and then 
Uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, which I've been playing with my friends Austin and Juwan. You know, what up, Austin? What up, Juwan? Yeah. Uh, I think at least Juwan, I think, listens to this show. And well, Austin, actually, I think both of them do. But anyway, yeah. So I shared I shared the podcast with my friends. If you listen to the beginning of the show, you know, you should be doing that, too. But anyway, yeah, we've been playing that and killing a bunch of fools. I finally found the operator that I'm best with, which mm. is Kavera. Ooh. Yeah, she's like, she has the silenced pistol. And she, uh, <laughs> the reason that I'm good with Kavera is essentially because she has dead silence. So oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> she can activate dead silence. And I'm like, well, this is my person now. So I just like when I'm on defense, I always just run away from the hostage. And then I activate dead silence, come in behind everybody. And I do really well. Like, I don't want to brag, but I can regularly like pretty somewhat predictably take out like three of the five attackers with Kavera, you know. Mm. And so that's kind of the games I've been playing. Just a bunch of shooters, a bunch of FPS games. But uh, guess what I have installed, though, dude? What? Control along Ooh. with all the DLC. So I my plan was to get a few achievements in the Master Chief Collection, then play that. And it still is my plan, but I, it turns out I'm getting a few more achievements than I intentionally uh, initially thought in the Master Chief Collection. So once I finish getting all those achievements, which will probably take like another couple of days, I guess, uh, then yeah. I'm going to be starting Control. And that's exciting because there was some news. I, I don't know if it's in the show this week, but there was like news that they're working on a sequel, right? Yeah, it wasn't in the show. Yeah, they're, they're working on a sequel and a multiplayer version of the game, maybe, which I don't care, like some sort of multiplayer spinoff. That's stupid. But it's, it's good that I'm jumping in because then I'll be ready for the sequel. Yep. And now, audience, I want you to take a 50-50 bet with whoever you're listening to this with. On if Caleb remembered he had to play Psychonauts or not. Oh, dude, I forgot to mention I did. I did. <laughs> but I, you know what? We're going to get to it later in Game Pass or Gameplay. But I, I did forget to say that I played that. I played it for a bit over, I think, a couple days. But in total, I, I basically played for like two hours. Mm. And uh, I felt like I knew how I felt about the game at that point. And uh, that's, I didn't want to finish it, if that's any inclination as to what I think. But I guess we'll talk about that toward the end of the show, right? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, because you seemed a little higher on it last week, and you beat it all the way. So you're probably going to have the more salient opinion, I suppose, or at least more complete, you know, but we'll get into that. That's true. Yeah. We will definitely get into it in the future. And now we're moving into Outside the Box. I'm thinking outside the Box. Where we cover all the news you need to know outside the Xbox community. And our first story in Outside the Box has to do with EA. What did I title this, Caleb? EA, the bad, the meh, and the hopeful. That's only because I switched out the last story without telling you, but we'll get to it. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you really nailed it because, you know, it's usually <laughs> like the good, the bad, and the ugly kind of thing. There's no good with EA. <laughs> it's just bad, meh, and hopeful. <laughs> Essentially, EA announces their EA Play Live Spotlight series, and I was like, oh my God, a month long of EA showcases? They can't even do one fucking one right at E3, how are they going to do a month long? But like, all right, so it starts off with the future of first person shooters on July 8th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Then it goes on to EA's Hearts Independent Studios at July 13th at 10 a.m. Then we move into Madden NFL 2022 All Access Scouting, how the community is shaping Madden NFL 2022. And that's on July 19th, 4 p.m. at Pacific time. So you should be able to hang yourself by 4.30. <laughs> <laughs> dude they got this they're like dude we're doing ea play live in july first of all we're not part of e3 right jaren like fuck e3 fuck all you bitches we're not there <laughs> and we're like you know what good fuck you get out of here and we didn't like you anyway and then they they announced ea play live for july and they're like you know what 
It's not even just EA Play Live, dog. We got an EA Play Live spotlight series before the main EA Play. And half of it is sports, your favorite. Yes, the second, the next up one is just called More EA Sports. And it's July 20th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's literally called More (laughs) EA Sports. And then you have the granddaddy, EA Play Live, 10 a.m. Pacific time. They even call it the main event, like the other ones were some goddamn treasure. (laughs) I can't believe that they had one titled More EA Sports. No one cares about your fucking EA Sports. The people who play your sports (laughs) games don't watch your fucking EA Play Live bullshit, most of them. They really don't care. The the next Madden comes out and they buy it. Like, who do you think these people are? Dude, I bet Keenan Allen's going to be glued to his TV for the Madden (laughs) one. (laughs) For people who don't even know what we're talking about, this is the first time they hear us mention Keenan Allen. They're like, what the fuck? But if you've listened to the other episodes, you know. But uh, Yeah, but the only thing about this that I saw that was kind of interesting where they like, have this whole lead up, you know, for two weeks going to EA Play Live with all this shit. But the one that is the EA Loves Independent Studios, one of them is featuring uh, Hayes Light and Joseph Ferris. And I was like, okay. Ooh. Yeah, Todd Mattins of the Los Angeles Times will host a panel featuring Joseph Ferris of Hayes Light and uh, then a bunch of other people. I'm, I'm interested in their like independent games because most of them are actually pretty good. It's about the only good thing EA can do consistently. That one makes a little more sense. Yeah, the one before that with the future of first-person shooters, which is apparently all about Apex Legends and Battlefield 2042, right? Yep. And they're like, we have that. They're having like seven people from DICE and Apex Game Director and Vince Zampella, which we know about Chad, Gr- what is it, Grenier? Yeah, whatever, Stella, dude. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it, You know, it's not even worth talking about this. There's so much shit. One of my favorite things about this was that they said, yo, we, we have this whole rollout leading up to the biggest day. And then on the biggest day, yo, no Mass Effect or Dragon Age, no Bioware at, uh, at EA Play Live. Oh, yeah, that, that would make sense. But they also <laughs> say... Uh, You may be wondering what would be left for the main event. The answer, a lot. Diving deep in the Spotlight series allows EA Play Live main show to make games the unwavering focus with new gameplay reveals, new giveaways, and those prizes. And then uh, it says WWE star Austin Creed will be hosting, which we talked about last week. And then they just say that shit's going to show up that you don't know about. The show will be a fast-paced... They didn't say the first part, but they said the show is a fast-paced one coming in around 40 minutes and will feature what's next for games like Battlefield 2042 and Apex Legends, which I thought, you know, they were talking about before, but whatever. (laughs) <laughs> and then you'll see the first gameplay for Lost in Random, featuring explosive dice battles, team freezing tactics, and card looks collection. Cool. I didn't know it was cool, but I'll take your word for it. And they say, uh, we'll have a couple other games to highlight as well, but for those, you'll just have to wait and see. And so that's that's that. I mean, everyone, rumor, it's rumored that they're going to talk about Dead Space there. Yep. They said no, uh, yeah, no Mass Effect, no Dragon Age, but that makes sense. Like, we already assumed that. Yeah, they said that all of these games were going to be current games that were coming out fairly soon. Yeah, and they said for Dragon Age and Mass Effect that they are working on, like, the next iterations of those franchises, but yeah that's not they have no updates you know nothing to talk about so i guess they're gonna let their other shit kind of shine whatever that is literally shit by the way maybe <laughs> the last da thing to talk about was what caleb briefly mentioned which is the dead space game yeah and apparently it is reportedly a fully fledged remake and it's inspired by capcom's recent resident evil games and that's why it's making a a comeback because obviously we saw the success of resident evil 2 remake and resident evil 3 remake and all of the horror games being remade so i believe that or I don't believe it, the industry is saying that that's where their inspiration comes from to remake the Dead Space game, or I guess reboot it or whatever they're doing. 
if they're doing a real remake of Dead Space 1, that's pretty cool, you know, and I'll play it because I, I love the Dead Space games and I got all the achievements and all of them. But uh, Dead Sp- I would rather they just release a collection first, you know, and then, yeah, that's fair. But then they couldn't do I guess they couldn't easily sell a remake if they're like, well, here's the up-resed, up ver- better versions, better textures kind of of the, uh, the you know, the original trilogy. And yeah. then also here's the first one remade. I guess that's not it's yeah. not as good as you know it's the I think you mentioned once before you're like yeah the collection's more for if you're doing a sequel, but it doesn't seem like they're doing a sequel. They're just remaking the first one. Unless you're weird. Yeah, I was going to say well it also I guess doing that you then also don't have to put 3 into people's minds again. So That's true. The funniest thing about doing things like that which 2K did just last year with the game that I talked about that I was playing the Mafia Definitive Edition where they bundled all three of those games together, but they only remade the first one. So if you've never played any of the three before, luckily I have, I've played two and three, but if you've never played any of them, you literally play the first game, it looks fantastic, and then you go back in time. (laughs) You fucking travel back (laughs) and you lose polygons along the way. And you're like, what happened? What happened to this game? Yo, Jared, like five years ago, man, you and me played Dead Space 3 together for the first time. Like, we, I played it for the first time. I don't know if you played it before, but we played it co-op, you remember? Yeah, yeah, that was the second time I played it. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not great, but it's not too bad co-op, given what I was expecting, what people say. But that's, like, co-op makes everything better, and with that game, it was kind of cool, too, because, like, you were hallucinating and seeing <laughs> shit that I wasn't seeing, you remember? And then I would see shit that you didn't see, and you'd have to literally, re- like, press the record thing on, on your Xbox and, like, send it to me. Being like, nah, dude, there was shit right there in the corner that was like popping in. I was like, no, you're crazy. And then I would make all those every time you leave to go get yourself a coffee or something, I would stand in front of your character and make a video. (laughs) Yeah, you'd literally make like an edited video for later. (laughs) We'll throw one of those up on Twitter. Oh, if you have one, yeah, that was that was fucking awesome. But yeah, shout out to Dead Space 3. Speaking of horror games, Konami and Bloober Team announce partnership amid silent hill links caleb so konami fucking back apparently the new partnership between the silent hill publisher and the medium developer will include jointly developing selected contents and in exchanging know-how according to a statement released by bloober team in a separate press release Konami said it was excited to work with Bloober Team and other highly regarded development partners to produce games from existing and new ips and apparently From knowledge of Bloober's plans, one of the projects it's working on is Silent Hill related. However, there also seems to be a Silent Hill game that has been given to a prominent developer in Japan. And there could be even more developers working on their own projects because it seems like Konami's being far more willing to share their IP. And I don't know, that prominent developer in Japan could be, maybe it's a PlayStation exclusive, maybe that's what Kojima's working on next like who knows yeah I don't know it's some of this information comes from like VGC's reporting but they also have like sources that tell them things yeah they also said that before it's kind of this was old news but it's kind of toward the end of the article from VGC they say that two people with knowledge of the Japanese publishers plans told VGC that it had originally approached Dark Pictures developer Supermassive to pitch a Silent Hill reboot the Supermassive project was ultimately not signed but the framework for that game evolved into the episodic Dark Pictures titles Separate sources told VGC that the Japanese Silent Hill project was something of a departure from past Silent Hill games, so this also matches suggestions that Konami was looking to license alternative takes on the horror series. And then it says uh, Konami's Japanese bosses are understood to have historically pushed back against most pitches to outsource their key game brands, which is a big reason why Supermassive's game wasn't greenlit. And then they said, however, following the disappointment, per- disappointing performance of recent in-house titles Metal Gear Survive and Contra Rogue Corps, sources said the company 
has become more willing to contract outside studios for, ma- for its major franchises. Franchises. Yo, can you believe that Contra Rogue Corps didn't set the world on fire, Jaren? I've never heard of that game. Like, I feel like I've <laughs> probably imagine? seen it, but I've never heard of it. The the, the, the bosses over Konami, they're like, yo, what? Contra Rogue Corps <laughs> failed? You're like, yeah, dude, it really did. And uh, yeah, so they, instead of, you know, Dark Pictures has an eight game deal with Bandai Namco now, or the people who made Dark Pictures Supermassive. And so they're they're working on that. And uh, so they're, they're with Bandai Namco. So I guess that Konami had to go to someone else and they went to Bloober Team. And they made Layers of Fear. Uh, was there a Layers of Fear 2? I don't know if they made that. There there was a Layers of Fear 2. I think they own the IP, so they probably made it. Yeah, I think they may have made that. They did the Blair Witch game that was in Game Pass. And yep. they recently did the Medium, which Jaren played. And Jaren, what did you think of the Medium? I thought it was way better than people gave it credit for. Essentially, the only knock people ha- seemed to have on it was that it didn't run in 1080p. Because, but that was also because it was rendering two worlds at once that were both in like 920p apparently okay so there you go that's that's what that's what jaren kind of says to the critics about that it was fun uh, it's a fun game it's it's like a good experience for how short it is if it was any longer it would be too long and if it was any shorter it wouldn't be worth the money but it's in game pass so yeah i'd say give it a shot it's like two hours right uh two hours if you're quick you can make it last three or four if you look around yeah so there you, there you go it should still be in game pass right yep so uh what do you think about them working on a konami silent hill game what, what do you think that kind of means I, I feel like they've never made like a a great kind of game yet like yeah, layers of, of fear caliber. i guess if if that is actually made by them i think it is <laughs> it is yeah they made okay it. Uh, that game's great but it's very indie and then they made blair witch which wasn't very good it was fine and then they made the medium which again is it's a good game it's not great it's not bad it's good to fine like in between that place i think the story is kind of interesting but if they're gonna make a silent hill game it seems like they really need to step their game up that being said, it seems like Konami might be relying on this uh, established developer in Japan to maybe pull off their uh, return of Silent Hills more than they're worried about what Bloober Team does with kind of their version yeah, of it. This seems like somewhat of a, not maybe the main Silent Hill property currently being working on. And the guy who's the CEO of Bloober Team, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's European. Uh, P- P- I'm not even going to try. Uh, PB is what we'll call him. PB said, quote, it is a historic day for the and for me and the culmination of several years of our work. The fact that such a renowned company as Konami has decided to strate- strategically cooperate with the Bloober team means that we have also joined the world's leader or the world leaders in gaming and become an equal partner for the leading players in this market. End quote. So yeah, I can't read today, but that's fun. Uh, so this guy's <laughs> like, yeah, basically what you said, Jaren. They're like, yeah, we really haven't made a game super huge kind of of that caliber yet, but Konami partnering with us to make Silent Hill kind of means that we're stepping up and like being a bigger team. Right. I wish them luck. I, I enjoyed the last game of theirs that I played. I don't think it's the greatest game, but I still enjoyed playing it. So I hope yeah. that they make a good game this time. And I hope it's also affiliated with Microsoft and I get it for free. Same. But somebody I was talking to somebody in like a forum uh, thing and they were like, uh, some people kind of lament that it wasn't someone like Red Barrels who worked on a uh, who did Outlast and Outlast 2. And I kind of made the argument that Bloober Team is, I think, kind of more of a g- better like general horror developer and a bit more atmospheric whereas i think outlast is better than like any game bluer teams made but i think that game was great and then i think outlast outlast 2 is a bit of a step down but in the same time bluer team has made like a bunch of different games that are more atmospheric and kind of don't have the same highs you know but also are pretty consistent and different yeah the last thing i would say on that was pretty much to agree with you where i think red barrels at least based on outlast and then outlast 2 
I feel like they're kind of going down and uh, Bloober team seems to be ascending. So obviously Red Barrels can turn it around. It's just one game. Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem like their style works with the blue, with the Silent Hill kind of atmospheric property either. Like there's more jump scares and stuff in Outlast. Yeah, that, it makes it makes far more sense. Yeah, but I guess a good jumping off point from Silent Hill is because it was rumored to be a PlayStation exclusive far before this. Uh, now we're moving over to talk about PlayStation and PlayStation has acquired Returnal developer Housemark, which Caleb and I kind of briefly talked about in text. And I feel like it's like it's news. But it's really not that big news because it's just Sony buying a studio that only makes games for them anyway. Yeah, like, I mean, I, can, I knew what some of the games were, but I can look it up here. Like, Housemark has been a long time second party developer for Sony. And so they recently released Returnal, obviously, which people like and is pretty hard and is some roguelite elements, I think. But they've been around for a really long time and apparently have Ooh, worked let on me games. Guess. What's up? Let me guess. I'm trying to remember what they are. Uh, it, one was Super Stardust for sure, which means they probably made Resogun, right? Yeah, they did Stardust and Super Stardust. Yep, they done Resogun. Okay. You I knew the some rest. of these. I knew some of these, <laughs> but I wanted to have a concisive list so I didn't say something stupid on the podcast. But yeah, they've done like Dead Nation, Alienation. Oh yeah, that game was good. Uh, yeah, Matterfall, Next Machina. Jaren already mentioned Resogun. I, I think Outland. I don't know if I mentioned that. They've, they've done a lot of shit. But basically, they I've looked at a lot of these games and I knew this beforehand, but like all these games are PlayStation exclusive titles, except for a few which are either also on Windows or for, uh, yeah, Windows systems Mm. or uh, or are like also they're either exclusive to Windows or also on Windows. Man, I can't talk today. I don't know what's up, but yeah. (laughs) So, you know, a Sony had a second party developer forever that they worked with that they then bought. To then release games only on their console forever. Dude, Dead Nation will always hold a place in my heart because it was one of the games they gave me as like a we're sorry for when I couldn't play PlayStation for an entire summer because the online was. Down. Oh, in 2011 during the blackout thing. Yep. Is that what they gave people? It was one of the games. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That's that's pretty sweet. I mean, it sucks that, <laughs> you know, it's because their game, their system was down for you know, like over a month. But that's cool. That you got a free game. Yep. This next thing that they bought, I think, is actually the more. I guess important one to the overall gaming industry, which is PlayStation acquires, I think it's Nix's, a PC porting studio. And this team has worked on Tomb Raider, Deus Ex games and bringing them to PC. And they've done a couple other like older remasters too back in the day. So it's possible, I guess, that they could be bringing them in to move like PS1 games to PS5 and that kind of stuff, which I think the industry is way too hopeful about. I totally believe that this is a move that they're bringing in to just bring their games to PC at a kind of a quicker rate so their own studios don't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like you said it, right? That's they they have they bought this studio as an in-house team that can take the load off of their other first-party studios and continue their strategy that Jim Ryan's talked about multiple times of porting these games to PC. Um it's pretty clear. That's also what everyone's saying. Uh Sony finally making some acquisitions, you know, kind of in response to Microsoft that people, you know, people have been wanting shit like this. Yeah, but they're not in response to Microsoft though, according to Sony. Yeah, they're not, but like it seems that way perceptively. <laughs> like I know that they're saying that, you know. But like perceptively, that's that's what it seems like. Some of these talks were maybe or probably been going on for a long time even but i don't know the ins and outs of all that so i imagine that sony's probably thought about buying housemark forever i don't know when that went through i don't know this i don't know people on the inside to know when these agreements started taking place and then kind of were going to certainly take place and then manifested but in terms of how it all played out it seems like kind of what people in the playstation community have been asking like sony to kind of answer in some way 
some of the moves that Microsoft's been making lately. And now they have uh, they bought Housemark and Nixus. And so, Jaron, Nixus, dude, is this they're they're porting more games to PC, man. You remember when Xbox started doing that and people called it really stupid? Remember when that happened? Yeah. Now everyone's moving the goalposts to being like, well, as long as you don't launch your games day and date on PC, it's fine. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's I mean, that's true. And then Microsoft, <laughs> you know, owns windows by the way like windows yeah. the operating system and windows store and all that and then X- xbox started putting their games on pc and then lo and behold all of a sudden just just right after that sony started putting some of their games on pc so continuing the trend of copying xbox it seems in almost most things they do and the last playstation centric thing that we're going to point out here is in typical sony fashion the funniest thing about this week to me i was like wow Sony's having a great week. I was honestly excited for them because yeah. I was like, I feel like I want to get a PS5 at some point. I like Housemark's older games. Maybe I'll give Returnal a shot. Now it's exclusive. That means they got more power over a sequel and stuff. I was like, great. They're bringing PC ports. I'm like, that's good for me. I got my PC. I was all excited for Hell PlayStation. Yeah. And then Sony came out and the whole Ghost of Tsushima DLC fiasco, which I don't really have in here, but I can briefly explain to Caleb if he hasn't yeah, heard about yeah, it. Ex- kind of. I don't really get the fiasco part of it but I've heard about the DLC and the new director's cut thing that's coming out. Can you explain it to me a bit? Yeah, so they announced a director's cut. Yeah. If you buy the director's cut upgrade on PS4, it's $20 to like upgrade your your version to the director's cut, like for the expansion kind of thing. It's I think it's like $29.99 or something. And uh, it could be less than that, but it's, Canadian, it's $20. Uh, I know American from what I've oh, seen okay. on the tweets. Okay. I haven't really been looking to see what it's priced on in Canada, but it's whatever. It's 20 something bucks. And uh, if you want to upgrade the director's cut new version that's coming out to PS5, that's going to cost you $10. But if you want to upgrade the whole thing with the DLC and the PS5 upgrades, then it's $30. So they're already being kind of confusing where I'm even trying to tell it to you and it doesn't make sense. But essentially no. what people are mad about is that the upgrade to the PS5 version is hidden behind this $30 bundle because you can't buy the upgrades to the PS5 version without buying all of the DLC. There's no separate option. Yeah, that's that's really dumb. <laughs> and they're charging for features that Doom literally brought out for free the day before. Yeah, no, that's not that's bad optics. That's bad optics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Xbox owned game that the sequel might not even be on PlayStation, probably won't be. That game <laughs> came out with free updates the day before you announced that you're going to charge your players with a $10 hidden fee that they can only get if they want to also buy the DLC. It seems like recently Sony just can't stay the good guy for like more than a day. <laughs> you know, They can't make a great move. It's true. And then after that, after everyone had already talked about this, then Kotaku was just like, you know what, maybe we'll throw a little... Little shit on the fire, you know, maybe keep it going. They write an article that just that's headline is PlayStation is hard to work with devs say. And essentially, it's just a bunch of devs that heard about kind of things that were happening around the PlayStation. And then they kind of spoke their mind to Kotaku. And they were like, yes, yeah, Sony is far harder to work with and sell games than anyone else. And all of the indie devs kind of seem to hate Sony, which seems to be quite a change from like a few years ago where Nintendo and Sony were kind of the darlings where now it's clearly Nintendo and Microsoft will like actually support you and give you like front page time for like far less money than Sony does. Yeah, I mean, that's it wasn't exactly you know, like a few years ago, but I kind of get what you're saying because it was more toward like, I guess, 2013 and around then, because even as of like 2016, I think and stuff like that, like ID at Xbox has, I think, been superior in terms of Xbox's yeah. outreach and support of indies than 
than Sony. And uh, yeah, I've heard this talked about because on on Sacred Symbols, which is a PlayStation podcast, they they've talked about for years how Sony kind of sucks with indie developers and doesn't support them as well, you know, and isn't. And even like the host of that show has like a studio, an indie studio now that he like kind of uh, he actually publishes games with. And so there's he, he kind of has firsthand experience with how they suck in various ways. But then, yeah, a bunch of developers came out and confirmed. They're like, oh, yeah, it really sucks working with Sony. Like if you look at some of the quotes of the Kotaku article, I don't have them exactly pulled up. But from when I read them, they were like uh, it, there were things like, you know, Nintendo's good. Xbox is good. And then Sony shit. <laughs> That's like literally what they say. <laughs> And then there was another guy who was uh, he was like, you know, it, there's not really any great options. It's never really, you know, great. But with Sony, it's just flat out bad. And uh, <laughs> obviously there's like a kind of skewed perspective here, I guess, a bit. But I think it's also reflective of apparently what indie people indie uh, indie developers, how, how their experience working with Sony, how that goes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's apparently if you're an indie developer, you're going to want to get your game on maybe X, depending on who you are, I guess, Xbox or Switch. But then you have like other success stories, I guess, like uh, Axiom Verge, Thomas's ha- uh, Thomas Hap's game when that came out. That came out like 2014, I think, for yeah, PlayStation. Yeah, back when Sony and, was really good at it. Yeah, and then that guy is a millionaire now. Like he's doing great, and he's making Axiom Verge too. Yeah. What about Rocket League? Remember they debuted yeah, that on pl- PS Plus, right? And when they put it on PS Plus, that's what got it super popular. Yeah. Now it probably is like a super successful. It's probably like a made up somewhere. Probably made those guys like a billion dollars for the IP at this point. A bunch of money. Yeah. But I think one <laughs> of the guys there who owns the studio or something used to work at IGN, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I can't exactly remember, but yeah, those those guys are rich. So there are some examples that are good, but it seems recently. That's not where you want to be. Yeah, it seems like if you want to make a triple A huge game and PlayStation can slightly pay you the money to make it exclusive, then they will fillet you. But if uh, you want to make a indie game, then they will fillet you. Yeah, a true. <laughs> it's kind of a funny <laughs> way to put it. But yeah, a true indie <laughs> game is what they kind of talk about there. They're like, if you're a huge quote unquote indie game, then you might get some traction. But the other stores just have ways of visibility, like certain the Sony store. I haven't really been on the playstation ui and stuff lately but apparently there are just fewer places for your game to actually be found by people and to be perused and otherwise people on sony's and are in sony's camp just kind of get lost in in the back end of the store you can even search for some games and you just can't find them you know (laughs) yeah playstation does have like that that like bunch of games that they're kind of like actively marketing to people to buy and then you have to like go through so many other filters to find certain games yeah that seems to be the problem mainly and that is the end of outside the box and now we're moving on to the x block there you go and the namesake for our last episode makes its return xbox plus kojima and apparently all that's happened is xbox and kojima have signed a letter of intent which if you want to know really what that means go check richard hoag's youtube channel at hoag law because lots of gaming people are reporting it as like a 100 percent done deal but he just kind of points out that a letter of intent isn't necessarily a 100 percent done deal it just means now the lawyers are going to go over the contract yeah pure xbox did a good kind of who wrote an article about it did a, a good job of summarizing that where they said that it's a uh, uh, I think Jeff Grubb because initially it was kind of an update on the article that said that Jeff Grubb uh, said that they were you kind of really close to a deal that it was basically set in stone you know yeah that it was going to happen and then he updated it where on uh, he's adventure beat and apparently he said that uh, quote there, there there was a quote letter of intent 
end quote, uh, for a new Xbox game, signifying that, quote, both parties have agreed to a generalized deal, end quote. And so he said that basically means that, like Jaren said, they, they both parties have signed to an agreement. So they're moving forward as if it's happening. And almost all the time, basically nothing bad happens at that point. But the lawyers are still like kind of hammering out details. And they could still hit roadblocks, but probably not. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the next Kojima game, unexclusive. I guess we'll find out in the coming months. I'm so tired of hearing about Kojima and Xbox, man. Like either is it happening or not? You know, like everyone's like, there's like probably three people who know, right? And then there's <laughs> everyone else who thinks they know. And then there's the rest of us who know nothing and just want to know where you're yeah. like, just say something or shut up, you know, say <laughs> That it's 100% happening right now or stop telling me that it's all but assured in nine different ways. Yeah. And then you got the PlayStation fans who are like super butthurt. They even started a petition to get Kojima's Xbox game canceled. Dude, I saw it was crazy. There's actually there's a literal. Uh, what, what, what is it called? I know, is it just a petition? I think it's just a petition on change.org to get his game canceled. Yeah, it's change.org. There's one where there, there's, there are people who are like, fuck you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, in other unsubstantiated rumors, because why not? A mystery ID software game has been raided in Australia called Project 2021B. And apparently the last time this happened, it was in January of this year. And two months later, that game was confirmed to be Doom 3 VR edition for PlayStation VR. It's kind of like up in the air on what this is. Lots of people are saying it's Quake. And apparently June 22nd marked the 25th anniversary of the original Quake's release. And a few days earlier, Xbox era's Nick Baker claimed to have heard that a new entry in the classic FPS series was in development at id and Machine Games, and it will include single-player and multiplayer modes, plus a female protagonist, he was told. And that's from VGC, right? That's from VGC. So if that's true, I feel like that would not be this announcement, because if there was a game that was literally like this close that it's already being rated by the ESRB, which means that they're like, or the Australian classification board, which means they're probably playing it and like actively rating scenes from it. Wouldn't they have announced that game at, at, uh, at E3? You would think so. I, I have no idea what this means, dude. I kind of 25th anniversary of Quake makes sense. The fact that it's id, which developed or who developed Quake makes sense. And uh, like all that makes sense. But I guess when they're they're having a digital quake con in august of this year again yeah so you would you think that'd be too late to hear about it or i guess the right time if that's what it was gonna be you know if they were announcing some sort of i don't know i I have no idea what this is like i thought yeah do you have any guesses because i'm like i have no fucking idea my best guess is maybe they drop a bethesda thing and and they actually make QuakeCon like a huge deal and they announce a because they have an entire event dedicated to one game. If you're if you're going to hold yeah. a game from E3 that isn't necessarily the biggest like mega hit game, but it has a very dedicated player base, it makes sense to hold it to the con that is exclusively for it and then announce it. I was going to say because it's all this weird shit, right? The 25th anniversary just passed. It is the developer of Quake, uh, but they just had E3 with the Bethesda showcase kind of within the Xbox conference at E3. They didn't announce anything there, but then QuakeCon is still in August. So uh, assuming that it's something related to Quake and it and that this is something I guess worth paying attention to at all, I guess it'll be announced at in August? Yeah, that would make the most sense because I speculated when we did our E3 predictions that we would see something from id possibly just because... 
they finish Doom. They're doing Doom DLC, but they have like multiple teams that are doing stuff. And yeah, if this is the other team, that would make sense. Dude, Jaren, is this one of those things where we should have known that Jaren was right just based on the fact that he said it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, well, it wasn't E3. It's like, well, that's me. You know, maybe that's because they held they held it for QuakeCon, you know, so they'd have something there. So like it would have been at E3, though. And you're like, man, Jaren, you got me again. They were listening to this podcast and they were like, fucking bastard, man. <laughs> <laughs> delay it delay it a bit that's what happened dude they they heard like just fuck this guy yeah fuck you jaren i'm, I'm with them though i'm on their team fuck you <laughs> next up in the xbox news this is all from phil's big interview over on the Ooh. unlocked podcast yeah it was like uh, ign's unlocked was it 499 or 500 or something yeah whatever it is i didn't listen to the podcast but <laughs> i did peruse the news not impressed at all <laughs> the first big item to come out of this was Xbox. I like how they say Xbox says Halo Infinite will not make or break the franchise. Yeah. Like I know Phil Spencer is Xbox, but this article's from VGC and yeah, it says Xbox says and it's like, well, it's Phil. Yeah. And he he said, here's his quote. I don't know if this is what you want me to say or not. Like when I think about the community, but I'm just being honest. I don't think about it in that way like the future of the franchise, because he's responding to a question about if this would affect the future of the franchise, if it yeah. flopped. He responded, Halo will be here for 10 years from now, and is Infinite the linchpin on whether it survives that long? Absolutely not. And then he goes on to talk about how the game has a rabid fan base and such a history and lore surrounding the IP that obviously the game is not going to be gone if this game isn't a smash success. But also, like Caleb and I have talked about many times, I feel like this game is going to be a smash success regardless just because of the sheer excitement they've built up for it by how big the Master Chief Collection has become. Yeah, I I don't see how it, first of all, yeah, I don't see how it could flop first of all at all because it's going into Game Pass, right? So like who's buying it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the flop or not flop? I guess they're thinking player counts, but um, so I guess in that way, I just kind of answered my own question. I guess that makes sense because I was like, well, if it's in Game Pass, I mean, what are you measuring? Some Steam sales or something, you know, like whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I guess in terms of player base, I don't see with the with the multiplayer being a free to play uh, and then based on just the interviews and everything and the gameplay we've seen and the flighting, flighting that's going to go on and how much time and thought they've put into the Halo Infinite multiplayer and how much they really nailed a vision and have a particular vision with a content actual like planned out, not like in terms of the Division 2 coming out and being like, we got our year's worth of expansions all lined up before the game even comes out. And you're like, shut up. But in terms of them having kind of a model, just like an MCC currently and in Sea of Thieves and stuff with like the Plunder Pass, they have like this a battle pass system like lined up in terms of how they're going to roll out content and how it's going to be three months and there's going to be a season for each one with a theme and it's going to be various armor upgrades and all this shit. They've got it all planned out in a very, you know, achievable way. Yeah. So I don't yeah, I don't see how this game is going to I mean, you could play the campaign maybe and be like, oh, this isn't as good as I thought it'd be. Or maybe it launches and it's not totally up to snuff because they kind of promised to put it out in holiday 2020. So maybe they're like, okay, well, we're putting it out. But, you know, clearly it could probably use another two months of development. But in three months or two months, it'll be where it probably should have been at launch. And you can be like, well, that sucks. But in the meantime, I guess we'll all hop into multiplayer. You know, like, I don't see how this game's going to bomb. But the question is, I guess it's good to answer where there terms of like, yeah, even if like, no matter how this game does, which, first of all, kind of doesn't make sense because there's no one's buying it anyway, and the player <laughs> count seems like it'll just happen naturally. But he's like, yeah, this game won't bomb because, and, and even if it did, however that would work, it, Halo's not going anywhere. We're still going to make another Halo game. There's going to be spinoff games, probably. 
in 10 years like it's a big product for them it's a, for the fans love the fans love it they have a studio dedicated to working on it i guess still and it's still coming out that part that he said 10 years i was like well that's good because for me you know halo is clearly i guess from maybe you got from me hearing uh, talking about the chinese master chief collection at the beginning <laughs> of the show where i ran out of achievements in the main master chief collection so i had to go get a chinese copy with more achievements i'm like you know what I'm glad there's going to be more Halo in 10 years, Jay. Pretty excited. <laughs> and these other two things from the interview, I'm going to breeze through quick because they're honestly kind of common sense. Yeah. Like Phil Spencer thinks buyouts help limit risk for smaller studios. And obviously that makes sense because you go out, you leave an established company, you found a studio, you build it up to the point where you're making money, but it's a really hard thing to do. And then when you get to that point where you finally can make the games that you want to make, you need the the money from people to make those huge games. So the best thing to do is to sell your studio to a bigger publisher. And then if you want to go start another studio, go ahead. But that's kind of the cycle of the industry. Yeah. If Phil Spencer just understands like startup culture and like entrepre- entrepreneurship and how these kind of things work in gaming. So people are like, acquisitions are bad. Phil's like, well, I guess if you monopolize an entire industry, which people kind of have an interesting idea of what monopoly means. I guess if you do that, they're bad. But if you're just like buying successful studios, then for them, that's a positive thing because the founders of that studio who initially took all the risk and maybe a lot of higher ups that work there, it's like they get paid buku for all their hard work and risk. The people who are working at the studio, unless you're Activision, uh, have more secure jobs <laughs> or, or EA, I guess <laughs> they have more secure jobs. I guess they're thinking from Xbox's perspective. Yeah, their jobs are more secure. And then the studio gets to make games with less risk. Like, I don't know for sure, but do you think Media Molecule could have worked on Dreams, Jaren, for eight years and then had it sell four copies and then been financially stable if they didn't have Sony's backing? Dude, I don't even know if Sony just forgot that they were making that and that's why Sony didn't close that studio because I have no idea how that studio still exists. I don't know. The Colin, the host of Sacred Symbols, he seems to think that because the director or the head of that studio won a BAFTA, I guess. <laughs> that they can't close them? Yeah, well, yeah, essentially that that's like a kind of a really big award for that studio and that person that that's like putting them in line with Hideo Kojima and Miyamoto and all these other people mm. as creators. So it's just kind of like a kind of like a high mark studio, you know, one of those things you have because it just looks good and you're on your portfolio. Right? Yeah, you keep it in the in the back. So like when you're up for game awards, everybody goes, oh, Sony's got fancy studios. That's what he thinks. I don't know that for sure, but it is crazy that they worked on Dreams for years. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but that's what Phil's talking about with, you know, just entrepreneurship. And then, yeah, you can sell your studio and then, it, like Jaren said, you can leave and start another one. And then, but you you just take on so much risk. And that's yeah. what a lot of these people want to do. They want to take on a lot of risk because they have a vision. They believe they build up a studio over years and then they sell out for exorbitant amount of money. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're insomniac, Jaren, you don't because you sell too soon. <laughs> You could sell for seven times your value, but you don't. (laughs) Yeah, they just didn't want money from Sony. They were like, ah, we just want job security. Those people are still super rich. You know, they still made out like millionaires, like bandits, but they could have made out with seven times more money. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the last thing in this interview, again, common sense, Xbox hardware revisions aren't coming anytime soon. They can't even sell the other consoles and get them out. They don't have the chips, so they're definitely not going to be making new consoles anytime soon. And they're kind of talking about this because there were rumors that Xbox was developing new technology and Xbox is always developing new technology. That's how making consoles works. Yeah, both companies are already at least somewhat R&Ding their next either mid-tier consoles or beyond. That's yeah, that's what they do. That's what they do. That's what those divisions in those companies 
or even the subsidiaries of those companies. That's what they do. Yep, that's their job. So they're still selling like hotcakes out there, right? So there's nothing, nothing, no real news there. I don't even know why that was a, I, I know why it was it. I know why it was news like in terms of being in this podcast, but I don't know why the people who wrote about it wrote about it. <laughs> yeah, it was very much like ask Xbox all the same questions that they've been asked forever, but don't actually ask them anything that is pressing or that we'd like clarification on. Yeah, like write up a bunch of questions beforehand that are really salient pressing that you can maybe dig for answers for while he's stuck on that podcast unless he walks out in a fury, which looks bad on him so that you can actually ask real questions. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a journalist. What do I know? <laughs> like a real journalist. Yeah. Next up, xCloud is everywhere except Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Xbox Cloud Gaming is now widely available on PC and iOS, and it's powered by the Series X. We talked about how they were powering it by the Series X last week. It was like rumored. Now it's confirmed. And it's come to like the PC and iOS. So if that's your thing, you want to stream video games, get excited. So kind of, I just want to talk to you about this quick, like a question. Do you think that xCloud, in a, like, pretty much xCloud like kills the need for something like a Gimes case, right? That market is almost gone, right? You just have your phone and you just bring a controller. Yeah, especially since how much is a games case? Oh, hundreds of dollars, right? Yeah, you could probably buy an iPad for the same the same price and just use that. I guess, first of all, I don't even think there are games cases for the newer consoles because I don't know how the fuck you'd fit a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. That's true. <laughs> Excuse me. Series X and anything. I don't know how that would work. But uh, even if they did make those like those portable kind of for those of you who don't know, there, there, are, there are companies that make portable like briefcases almost that you, you could you could traditionally put like a Series X or I mean, not Series X, Xbox One X or an Xbox One or whatever in there. And then you open it up and like part of the case has a monitor in it and like an HDMI that connects to your Console is basically just a portable monitor with an Xbox system. But I don't know, dude, like xCloud kind of removes the need for that, even for a console like maybe not experience, but just being able to play those games, right? Because you just have your iPhone now, Android, and you just bring a controller and you can Bluetooth your controller there and you're going to have a little bit of latency and it's going to be on a phone screen. But the upside is theoretically, if you're going on vacation or whatever, it's you're not going to be there super long and you don't have to pay for anything else. So. Yeah, apparently it's dramatically less latency now that it's powered by the Series X, too. Yeah, which is great. So, I mean, that's interesting how that kind of market, I guess, was killed by, yeah. by xCloud. And if you do have a games case, uh, I would, I'll buy you a donut if you meet me in Tim Hortons in Canada, if you can get through the TSA with that thing without having to explain that it's not a bomb. It, dude, it, it looks like an explosive device, dude. You really look like a terrorist <laughs> cell fucking leader running out there in the airport with those things. And Caleb, Xbox is finally releasing a new firmware update to improve controller disconnect issues that I've been telling you about for a while. Okay, so we talked about this, I think, earlier on in our episodes, even. Yeah, so, dude, get fucking excited. It's <laughs> finally gonna goddamn happen. I'm not, Jaren. I still haven't... Have you experienced... You, you, I asked you at the time, and of course, it's been more than a day, so I've forgotten. Did you experience any of these disconnect issues? Not with my Elite controller, but with the controller they ship with. Yeah, it uh, okay. it disconnects quite often, or it used wow. to. It, they've been slowly making it less of an issue like as updates have gone along. Yeah, I, I always use... I mean, I played Tetris Effect for probably... 30 hours or so with my series x controller and then other than that i usually play with the elite series 2 controller or like one of my older xbox one controllers or xbox one s controllers kind of hooked up to my series x if i need to use a second controller uh like a loser uh, for achievement hunting but i've never had any of these disconnect issues but the people who even wrote about it from pure xbox who wrote uh, the article that we're kind of referencing here th they say that they've experienced it on their end too so i guess it's 
relatively prominent maybe and i'm just somewhat lucky that i haven't experienced it at all but yeah dude uh firmware improvements and i think they may be an insider right now like right you have to be a xbox yeah in, uh, in the insider flight or whatever yeah it's in the new insider update okay so yeah so i guess that's coming out to general audiences soon but fixes are rolling out yep and what's this next one called caleb far games and that's a pretty good way to describe it so todd howard essentially said it's good to think of the elder scrolls 6 as still in a design phase obviously they haven't even shipped starfield yet yeah no shit dude that one you don't even really need to talk about that well, much well, more did you hear what <laughs> i love how fucking cheeky pete hines is you know for bethesda I don't know mm. if you saw this article, but he said, uh, let's see. So Todd Howard kind of, I think, said the thing about it still being in the design phase, right? And they said that Todd Howard said the new Starfield technology creation engine 2 is sort of built for both games. It's like a new tech base. The vast majority of our development work is on Starfield right now, but everybody works on everything. So the project's kind of intertwined. Uh, and then he said it's kind of good to think of Elder Scrolls 6 as still being in the design phase. And they're going to have some additions to the creation 2 engine, you know, like whenever that rolls out. Uh, this is from VGC, by the way, but those quotes are from Todd Howard. But then it's funny because uh pete hines where's he at said uh, okay so pete hines tweeted quote it's after starfield which you pretty much know nothing about so if you're coming at me for details now and not years from now i'm failing to properly manage your expectations yeah that was a while ago he tweeted that <laughs> oh, okay. like before they announced uh when starfield would be yeah, coming i guess out. i guess that was in may right yeah i must have missed it at the time or maybe i forgot <laughs> about it because i'm a fucking 89 year old man but that was that was made me laugh again. And the last thing in Far Games, Gears of War Studio, the Coalition will show an Unreal 5 demo this month. So if you want to see another Unreal Engine 5 demo, I guess get excited. It's it's not the game they're working on. It's, it's just a demo of what they've done with the technology. It's like a conference thing, right? Isn't that at Gamescom? Yeah, it's at Gamescom. It's not like what you think. This isn't like a media press event type thing. It's it's dudes giving a kind of showcase conference thing on something they made to a bunch of other developers. And yep. if you read it, it sounds that way, too, in the article. It has a lot to do with <laughs> lighting and stuff that they figured out. And that's if you're wondering why uh, a Sony for uh, sorry, an Xbox first party game uh, developer, why they're showcasing an engine demo owned by Epic, which uh, Sony has a minority stake in. And you're like, why would they do that? It's because it's like a whole developer thing. That's why it's not some sort of media press thing. Yeah. So there you go. That's the end of the X block. Now we're moving on to the X factor discussion. And I was going to make this one pretty quick because I kind of just wanted to briefly talk about the new funny narrative that I have found between the stupid Xbox fanboys who are stupid. Yeah. And the PlayStation fanboys because any fanboy is stupid. Just be a normal human being who plays video games. Yeah. If you think someone's being shit, like call them out, you know, but like be reasonable about it. Like, yeah. for instance, when we talk about the indie thing with Sony. And it's like Sony's being shit toward indies. You're like, well, clearly, clearly that's true <laughs> from every bit of evidence. Or you're like, if you said something like Nintendo's online functionality is non-existent. It's like, is that hyperbole? You're like, yeah, by about 0.5%, that's hyperbole. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing that I found funny about this was because this all isn't from this week, but it's from previous weeks before. So we've had this narrative going on for a while that because of Xbox Game Pass, and everyone talks about it. And it was funny. The whole internet like blew up this week because there was like a tweet where everybody was joking about how they get paid to promote Xbox Game Pass. So then basically the entire game industry promoted Xbox Game Pass without being paid because of how much people accuse them of being paid for it. Yeah, it's just a big middle. They're just giving a mi big middle finger to fanboys saying like, fuck you, just outwardly <laughs> promoting Game Pass. 
even though they're not getting paid for it as like an ad just because they're like fuck all of you <laughs> so the answer to game pass from playstation fanboys has essentially always been oh well you're not going to get good quality games or even if you do get good quality games like that's not good for developers uh you guys are just cheap that's why you play on xbox games because that's you're, what they you guys have like, no dude. money that's their exact voice. You nailed it. That's it. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, okay, whatever. I'd rather be cheap and have free games than spend this much money on like expensive fucking $90 games here after tax for every single game I want to play. And then everybody says, oh, well, you can just wait to a sale. And I'm like, but I don't have to. I get the game day one in Game Pass. But that being said, so it's funny how that narrative kind of spiraled out of control of how Xbox gamers are cheap and PlayStation gamers are like quality. Like they're the Apple of consoles, which Apple has the same argument where it's like, oh, my MacBook may be $3,000 and your $1,100 computer may have better parts than my $3,000 MacBook. But because I have an Apple, I'm I'm better than you. The way it's I've heard it described <laughs> is people say that Xbox, which I don't even I kind of get it, I guess, if, if you're being really honest about what they are. But they're like uh, uh, Sony is HBO. Nintendo is Disney Plus and Xbox is Netflix. <laughs> and yeah, so they've had this entire like thing going on. And then Sony did this whole Ghost of Tsushima thing that we talked about earlier. And the funniest thing was looking through those comments and seeing people who both have PlayStation um like profile pictures who are clearly if you look through their tweets are clearly fanboys like going on posts and blasting things and all that kind of stuff. They're arguing with each other. And saying, well, if if you don't want to pay for DLC, like developers made this content. If you don't want to pay for a $10 upgrade to the PS5, like you shouldn't even be on PlayStation. What? You're not a real <laughs> fan. Like you're poor. You don't belong on PlayStation because you're, you're poor. poor. Oh, no. You <laughs> can't say that. So the whole comment section was just Xbox fans laughing about it which obviously like xbox fanboys being fanboys and like saying stupid shit and uh and then everybody arguing with them but then also because of all the xbox fans shitting on it you have the other playstation fans or mixed in with the normal human beings who are like wait i don't really want to pay for this but then because they've been fighting with the xbox fans so much then the fanboys of their own console they're talking to their own players are like well you're fucking poor get out of here <laughs> Clearly, PlayStation's <laughs> not for you. That's fucking <laughs> awesome, man. Jared, how does that make you feel, dude? How does that make you feel? What do you think? I, dude, I love all the chaos. I like the whole... And then the, the funniest thing is is someone who's a fanboy of a console is always a fanboy of a sports team. Oh, and yeah. And like you, you go and you look at their Twitter and they're like excited about a sport and excited about the console, but then they're like so overly excited. They're always yelling about shit on Twitter. They got like 8,000 tweets. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What's wrong Jaren, with you? Jaren's not talking about, by the way, unless it, maybe you're confused. Jaren's not talking about every person who's a fan of Sony, by the way. He's talking about the internet minority of very loud fanboys who reply to any Xbox account tweet with something negative like PS5 better kind of shit. That's who Jaren's talking about. He's not just yeah. talking about like Jaren and I are fans of Xbox. But we're not Xbox fanboys uh, out there on you're not going to see the X-Block podcast going out there at every fucking PlayStation seat saying, Returnal sucks, fuck you, this, Metacritic, <laughs> that, like, that's not, like, those people are fucking crazy. We roast Xbox half the time when they do something shitty. Yeah, for real, dude, like, that's, when Xbox does something shitty, we call it out, too. I think if you find the first episode where we talked about the disconnect issues on their controllers, because this is, like, a follow-up from this week. We, we've actually talked about that story before when it was happening, and we're like, that's pretty shitty. Like, just make it work, you know? 
Like, why yeah. don't your controllers work in the year 2020 or 2021? You know, like what's happening? So <laughs> no one knows. But these these fanboys out there, dude, they're crazy. You gotta you gotta you gotta go out there on the internet and see them, dude. And I don't like. And from my perspective, where they have this, you know, well, you should just all this expensive stuff on their end, like for the product and all this, like paying for this, for these upgrades and all this shit when other competitors and other like a doom or whatever isn't doing it. And people are like, well, that's because you're poor and you shouldn't even be here and you should expect it. And this costs money and that I'm like, I feel like they're being those people who kind of feel that way. Maybe I'm wrong. I feel like they're just being trained because the console that they've invested in doesn't do that. So they don't know what it's like to not get fucked. Yeah, like, but Caleb, on, you're fucking poor. See, <laughs> see when people say that, like, that's a, such an insult. You're fucking poor, dude. You have no money. <laughs> it's like, well, on over on Xbox's side, it seems more often than not, especially relative to Sony, you're like, well, they give me a lot of services and a lot of value and a lot of things and accoutrements and upgrades and shit for free. Because they want to keep me as a consumer of their brand. And it works because I spend less money and I like money. And then PlayStation fans in that regard in a lot of different ways. Sony just continues to fuck them and doesn't give a fuck about their consumer near to the degree that Xbox does. Like, I can guarantee you that. And they and in some instances, they, they can't because they're such a smaller company that they really need to nickel and dime people to make as much money as possible possible to even be able to compete with xbox on a spending basis and other things so i kind of get it for them and playstation is the most important part of their brand but in terms of just like value proposition not just game pass but service wise over on xbox and how you just don't get fucked in various ways and then on playstation you have like this new dlc kind of or upgrade kind of conundrum thing you're like well (laughs) i get i think some of the fanboys may be having that argument because again they just don't know what it's like to not be fucked to be like oh man, this person values me as a consumer and is giving me a break, you know? Like, I don't have to pay for this? Great, you know? Nah, dude, you're just you're just poor. <laughs> you're just poor. That's, okay? That's and developers to. need to be paid, Caleb. Don't you understand that the developers oh, that Sony pays before they do anything because they're owned by Sony, those people who get constant salary checks from Sony, who literally don't get paid based on anything to do with the game aside from maybe bonuses, for their little bit of extra time, they put in to give you haptic feedback on your controller caleb they need that ten dollars that's what makes sure that they can feed their families but you know they're not poor we we don't criticize them they need their money and you know what you know what man maybe those indie studios who pay they have to pay the twenty five thousand dollars to get their game advertised on playstation maybe they maybe they're poor too jaren who knows maybe everybody's poor just have your fucking twenty five thousand dollars ready stop being such a poor bitch okay <laughs> just pay your twenty five thousand dollars you'll get your seat at the playstation table all right the moral of this conversation dude is shout out shout out to poor people and shout out to fanboys dude i love fanboys they're they make my day better every day that i read all their dumb shit like oh boy i'm just passing through and i happen to see your dumb tweet but you're here fucking 98 7 dude not 24 <laughs> 7 98 all right and now we're hopping over to game passer gameplay where every month we spin a wheel of games that are just in game pass and just games that caleb and i haven't played and that aren't reiterative sports titles and this month we pulled psychonauts and now we are here to give you our breakdown of Psychonauts as it is the first week of July. Yeah, and we're going to tell you whether you should pass or play on it, which is why it's game pass or gameplay. <laughs> Get it? So, Jaren, we usually play these games. Our kind of general kind of ethereal rule is that we play them enough to be able to have an opinion on them. 
basically. Like, so typically, you know, I wouldn't say you play it for less than like an hour at the least. But, uh, you know, usually just like either beat it or two hours, three hours, five hours, whatever you need, you think, to give a solid opinion on whether someone should try that game out on Game Pass for no barrier or whether they should not do that and pass on it, where it's literally not even worth trying out, even if they already own Game Pass. So I, I think we've talked about in previous episodes, Jaren beat Psychonauts. Yep. And uh, took him like, I think, would you say eight hours roughly? Yeah, like eight hours. Okay, that's pr- that's pretty quick. And I think I play games slowly, but I, I beat it or I didn't beat it, but I played it for like two hours, a little less than two hours, I think. And so I'm going to let you do. You, how do you want to start this? Do you want me to tell you how far I got and what I did? Yeah. Or do you want to kind of give me the general breakdown? I think you should go first. Okay, so Psychonauts, for those of you who don't know, it came out on the original Xbox and I think it sold roughly 100,000 copies. It was kind of a bomb at the time, but has like a cult following. And that's why they're getting a new one is, you know, it had this cult following enough to actually be funded enough to get uh, a sequel. But it's a it's a 3D platformer from the time. And the main character is a kid called Raz Sputin. And yep. everyone in the game calls him Raz. And the game is about this kid who you learn later runs away from a circus and goes to this camp where the game starts. And he basically tries to infiltrate this summer camp for kids who are learning how to be psychonauts, who are using their telekinetic weird powers to be able to invade people's minds. Is that basically correct? Yep. Okay. Because uh, I was making sure that that was kind of the premise of the camp. And use, I've, their, I've use their kind of like powers in general. And the, the cadets are also, it's kind of like a summer camp. Because they're like yeah. kind of learning, but like no one really becomes a psycho not there. Like you kind of have to go and like become an agent and that kind of stuff where Raz is like far ahead of that. Yeah, there was a pamphlet for like going there in an advertisement yeah. and Raz found out about it in a pamphlet and ran away from the circus. But all these care, I, I guess here's what I have to say about the game. It's a 3D platformer. I found it rather interesting. I, I'll say the levels. There's like an overworld, which is the camp. And then you travel into various people's minds and the minds act as levels, you know, and they're somewhat different depending on the character. So there's actually a bit of variety in terms of the environment and types of levels that there are to progress across. But I actually found based on your somewhat positive inclination of the game when you barely gave us anything about it because you did not want to spoil it. I actually found it less impressive than I thought it would be because I've played a lot of 3D platformers. And so for people who don't know me, which you probably don't, dude, I your boy holds SpongeBob SquarePants battle for Bikini Bottom in some high regard, Jaren. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about? Yep. SpongeBob SquarePants battle for Bikini Bottom. Boy, that game's a banger. And what I found about this game, Psychonauts, is that your characters, I find a bit too heavy. And when you even do like a double jump or something, it's a bit floaty and kind of hard to measure depth wise. And it doesn't kind of lean to how much it's clearly it's a platformer. And so like the heaviness and floatiness of the double jump and everything kind of infected the entire experience for me and made it a little bit less, you know, fun in terms of the overall like game, like point to point gameplay. But then there are other elements that I also didn't like as much in terms of the arrowheads that are kind of like scattered around everywhere in the camp that you have to find is like currency. I didn't get too far enough in the game to really explore the currency system in terms of buying anything because I wasn't really interested in what they were selling. I looked in the shop to see. Uh, This is kind of all over the place, by the way, because Jaren and I aren't giving a fucking 50 minute review of this game. Uh, But another thing that I found weird, Jaren, you know, those like, uh, what are they called? Those those things that are in the levels that pop up that you kind of pick up along the way. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the things that like add to your psycho ability or whatever. Yeah, let me see. I'm trying to find them here. Figments. Yeah, figments. Yeah. Okay, because I needed to know the. I, you you kind of need a vocabulary to talk about this game. 
there are figments that you find throughout the levels, right? And they're like these drawings that are essentially, you know how you would walk through something like Banjo-Kazooie and you would find musical notes or you'd walk through Donkey Kong 64 and you'd find like colored bananas on the ground or coins in Mario 64. Well, it seems like that kind of thing in the levels in this game is uh, figments, which add to your overall like psi rank, right? Yep. And you increase your psi rank to be able to buy more things in the store. Is that correct? Yeah, I never paid too much attention to it because I was never barred from buying anything from the store. Essentially, you get to a point in the game where you need to buy stuff from the store. Yeah, but you can progress. you can buy this this ability that kind of removes the whole annoying arrowhead mechanic because it scans the ground and then it finds big deposits of arrowheads and sometimes you get like 50 to like 60 at a time. So you just okay. go around and you use that thing like 10 times and then you have enough to buy the last thing that you need in the game and then you just move on with the rest of the game and you never really have to worry about it again. Well, that's kind of a nice thing that I never ran into. So the arrowheads are getting away with that is nice, but Ba- through every level though there are these figments but the point is they're not standardized like a coin or a banana or a musical note they're like these weird kind of projectural co- colored drawings that are standing up around that you have to like run into and pick up and some of them are moving across you know like walkways that are twisting and winding and so you have to like, kind of time it and hit them right and i found them really annoying to get because sometimes you see one and you don't even know it is one right you think it's like part of the background yeah and then you you walk past it or you miss it or something like it's so it's kind of hard and and they're different colors and different shapes and so it's kind of hard to tell where all of them are and to get them all and i found that a bit annoying then you have emotional baggage which are you you come across tags around yeah. these uh, around the levels and then you have to find the corresponding bag literally that you come across and then if you have the tag and you have the bag then the they do like a little animation dance and you get what more side points or something Toward your psi rank? Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't understand like, what those are for. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to any of those things. They, I just got them like as I went along. Like I, I wouldn't go out of my way to go grab one. Okay, I, I kind of did. Yeah, and then, and then that like I think because that's the thing was like I was doing a lot of that at like the beginning, and then it's like after me playing the game for like two and a half hours, I was like, why am I doing all this? This game doesn't have any achievements. And then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna just embrace the story and grab what I grab as I pass by and worry about it that way. And then from that point on, after like the first two hours of playing the game, I like far more enjoyed the game because like the writing's really good. Yeah. And a lot of the, there are jumping parts that like you said about the character feeling heavy and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it definitely does. That seems like a big turnoff for me actually. Yeah, it definitely does. But it's one of those things where like after a few hours of playing it, the writing kept me in long enough to play it for a few hours because I liked the characters and I liked all the stuff that was happening. And then I eventually just got used to the character and it didn't really bug me until the very last fight in the game where you have this thing where you're jumping from thing to thing to thing to like go along. And that was annoying. But also about halfway through the game, you get this orb that you can roll on top of that makes traversal weight way better. You can just jump and like float up to things and all that kind of stuff. Throughout the game, they introduce a lot of problems at the start of the game, which I get could like turn you off really easily. And then they kind of clean up all their own problems with things that they put in the game later. It's like they make the game purposely more annoying at the start to then make your abilities that you get later feel better. Yeah, and like I've played games again, like referencing SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, which is hype. There it's like a game like that where you start off with very minimal means, but then you get characters who can use different abilities when you like change into them at different points of levels 
or even lock different abilities for SpongeBob that like bubble bubble uh, arrows or uh, not arrows missiles and shit like that. But the overall general feeling of traversal and platforming and and like combat mechanics didn't feel bad. But whereas in that game, just kind of the generic, I guess no abilities, no upgrades version of Raz doesn't feel that great to me. Um, that was kind of a big problem that I I guess had with it for the two hours roughly that I played, and then. Like Jaren said, the writing's pretty good, but another big thing I noticed at the beginning is, man, there's a lot of exposition and a lot of not playing. Like, did you notice how much of the first two hours of the game is cutscenes and talking, or you walking from one person to the other, and them just giving you exposition about literally everything? Yeah, at the very beginning. It's very much a game of I mean, at the very beginning, like the beginning, like the first hour and more within. Yeah, they're very much explaining everything that's happening. It's it's very much like a game of the time that it came out where it's like, we're going to tell you this and we're just going to beat you over the head with it. And then you're going to understand everything that's happening. And then we'll kind of pepper it in more as it goes along. For that game, though, I felt it went on a bit longer than other games of its time like that. I don't know where platformers like a Super Mario 64 even or something like that, where or even like I, I mentioned SpongeBob, but I'll mes- message it again because it also was a platformer that was kind of a cult hit that came out in the Xbox around that time there's just not I, and other platformers that play played a ton of 3d platformers there's just not as much talking and exposition that seems unnecessary and fluff in that way there's a lot to explain and there's a lot of different items like i said like figments and arrowheads and other shit that seems almost a little more complicated than other platformers uh maybe i just didn't play it long enough to get past that but in, it it felt that way for me the positives of this game though like jaren said the writing and number one positive, number two, and I'll say two things that are positive about this game most, voice acting and art style and art direction, which are both very good. Like the the voice acting, I can tell there's some people from at least one person from cartoons, the kind of your kind of fat friend. What's his name? He's one of the other campers. You know, he has like the helmet on kind of aluminum foil helmet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, dude, I, I know. But it's like yeah. s- you're pretty much there's a point in the game where you hit where you're pretty much just Raz on his own with the girl. So, OK, like know, nobody's yeah. a big part of the pretty much. No, not one person is a big part of the game after a certain point. You're very much just Raz going after the girl and you're talking to the scientist all the time. OK, so in the beginning of the game, he does have these other campers he's around. And some of those campers are like, I'm like, oh, you're a prominent voice actor. I remember from like Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon or something. Yeah. And you hear other people and it's the main character. I don't know who he is, but he does a really good job. The guy who plays Raz. And then the art style, which is the number one feature of this game almost that we haven't talked about, is kind of the like that is the biggest part of the game. It's really unique and disturbing and eldritch. And you see characters with just these really weird, fantastical designs that if you've seen the trailers for Psychonauts 2 or something coming out, it looks like the person's like it looks like the person who made the game is on fucking LSD. Like that's what <laughs> shit in the game looks like when you go to people's minds or you see a character who his eye is like on his cheek and his other eye is where a normal eye is supposed to be. And then his mouth is like just his lips protrude a lot and he's has like five teeth and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And his skin's yellow. But then the person next to him is green and no one mentions it. And it's totally normal in that world. <laughs> and the guy to his right has fucking huge ass ears. And you're like, what is going like? It's just a really weird and unique art style that I imagine draws people in. And it's unique to every other game I've seen. It's very cartoony. Yeah, yeah. I agree with all of those those points. 
And the funny thing is, I feel like my my opinion on it, just but based on my hints, is uh, is going to be funny now because people like expecting kind of a different thing. I very much enjoyed the writing and the dialogue of that game, and it kept me interested for the entire game and what was happening. And I liked the art style, and I liked all that kind of thing that was going on and like experiencing the game. And it's relatively short in the writing yeah. and stuff, yeah. And I'm glad I played it to get ready for psychonauts 2 because i feel like i'll take a shot at that because i assume all of the stuff that we talked about that were the negatives are things that have been solved in the last like oh, yeah. 15 years i imagine it's way better than the first one that being said i'm gonna give the game a pass whoa where's the pass coming from jaren and it's just because like i didn't really like the gameplay a lot Okay, so you were with me on that. Obviously, it feels dated. I think parts of it drag on a little too long where the writing's great and like everything that's happening is like it's a fun time, but I feel like a lot of it drags on and then the game kind of gets away from the fact that it is hampered by the gameplay for like a good while, but then the very end of the game is annoying with how the gameplay feels. So you like get to the end of it and you're playing like all those main boss fights and just like the way the game feels doesn't feel great on the Xbox. I don't know if this game came out on PC. It might be like much better on PC. I could see that being a thing. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good as a game. And like Caleb said, the first two hours of the game, I just liked the writing and I wasn't really playing anything else at the time. So I was like, "Eh, I'm going to give it five hours. And then by the time I was four hours in, I was starting to enjoy it enough to see like where it ended. But if you're just picking up a game to play in Game Pass and it's going to be something you play for like an hour or two and then you're not sure if you're going to continue, then I wouldn't recommend this game to you because you're not going to probably enjoy that much of the first hour or two of it unless you're really into the characters. I mean, I would agree with that. And I think that's I mean, all that's a good all that's a good point as well. And also, there's just better if you're looking to even play a 3D platformer. Even if it's not in Game Pass, they're just better 3D platformers, even of that era, I think, to play. Yeah, like, I, I don't think, even though the art style and some inherent quality about that game stands out above other 3D platformers of the era, I don't think it's better in terms of uh, being a game, if that makes sense, relative to its peers, which I, I wasn't really expecting. I didn't know what to think because I knew it was kind of a cult hit. But uh, yeah, the gameplay is just kind of too much of a drag for me in terms of that being that kind of game. And also, I think you mentioned like a couple weeks ago, Jaren, you said it's kind of funny because the game looks way better, but then sometimes you hit these cutscenes and it gets really grainy and bad because of the upgrades they <laughs> yeah. made to the version. And I was like, oh man, it was really noticeable. It's like you'll be playing and you're like, oh, this game looks doesn't look too bad, whatever. And then the cutscene hits and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. What is that? <laughs> it looks way worse than the cutscenes. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with all that, man. I think I would give this game a, a pass. Yeah, you would agree. Yeah, I would. I would give it a pass also. And then I think our overall thing, weirdly, as a podcast, I'd say I'd give it a watch in the sense of if your favorite streamer has streamed this game and you want to see how it plays out entirely through to maybe be ready for the second one, because the second one seems like if they take off where the first one ended, it will be like a direct sequel. And I feel like the writing and at least watching the game get played, whether that's on YouTube or whether that's on Twitch, if you got some time and you want to watch it, I'd honestly say that's worth it. There, We always give a game pass or game play, right? We give a pass or play to all these games, but there are always caveats. Like we give a general pass or play, but then there's always something like a caveat to it. So like Jaren said, you can watch it. Uh, If you're just a really fucking big 3D platformer guy who wants to play every goddamn 3D platformer, well then yeah, clearly play it. It's not going to kill you, right? Yeah, it's still good. If you're a general blow Joe rolling through Game Pass looking for a couple one to two hour good time, maybe some of the other games we mentioned in Game Pass or Game Play in months past, or just some other games we haven't talked about yet, maybe those would be better to try out than Psychonauts. 
Unless you're just really excited for Psychonauts 2 or something. Yeah, which is why I wanted to play it. Why I bothered finishing it, because I was like, I'd like to play Psychonauts 2, at least when it comes out. Yeah, and it's it was very uh, fortunate that we actually got it in a spin. And you guys can go back and listen to the episode where we spun and got it, because we literally thought we were going to cut out the section where we say we got it and just spin again because people wouldn't believe that we actually spun it because we were talking about it earlier in that episode and then we just decided to keep it in because that seemed like proof that we actually spun it and now we're going to spin the wheel again because we've got to get our game for july well so here it is caleb we're going to spin that wheel please don't be fucking dragon quest spin that wheel Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this one's not that bad, but I feel like it's going to be a game that we play for a few hours and then move on from. Okay, well that's fine. You know what? That's okay. I can live with that if it's not Dragon Quest. July's game is Train Simulator World. Train Simulator, bitch, motherfucker! What you know? Train Simulator, bitch! Watch the train go. Remember that YouTube video, Jerry? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You were that YouTube That's why video. I was laughing. That's listen, why I was laughing. Some of you kids out there, listen to this. Listen, you hear me, right? People in you, what is it? Austria? People in Germany? Ukraine? I've seen the metrics. I know who listens to this. All right, people in Britain. You people, you're too young. You don't remember the train train simulator, bitch video. You don't remember it. You weren't there. Go on YouTube. Go to look. Go to YouTube search bar. Look up train sim train simulator bitch motherfucker what you know and you just you know you're welcome and there you go that after you watch that video come back here for our thoughts on a uh, train simulator world when we give them to you in the first week of august train simulator bitch motherfucker what you know you're not gonna be screaming that for the next fucking <laughs> 10 days I wonder if that, hopefully that game has co-op. We can drive trains together. Dude, I bet you we're going to give it my prediction a month from now. Come back and we're going to give you our game pass or gameplay review of this game. I bet it's going to be a play. <laughs> I bet you it is. We'll see. And now we actually have to fucking move on to the FAF because we're like an hour 30 in or something. No, nah, we're an hour 32, but we recorded for like, what, seven minutes before this? That's true, but plus cutting still. silences and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's get the fuck out of here, Jim. T- you're tired. You got the vaccine, man. You're a little boy. You're gonna you're gonna pass out or recording, man. All right, hit me with the faff, Caleb, or explain what the faff is. You got it, dude. You are so tired right now. I can tell you're dying <laughs> in your fucking chair, about to fucking pass out. All right, so the faff is our segment at the end of the show every week, where Jaron, who compiles the doc every week. Kind of gets all the random ass stupid news that the video game industry talked about or that he happened to find. I don't know where he found it. And he compiles it all at the end of the show and kind of gives it to you in a brief or more brief, I guess, a funnier way. And the the news here is just all a bunch of faff, which if you don't know what faff means, then I guess you don't need to know. Uh, so it's, it's a real waste of time, man. And if, if you were someone who clicked on one of these articles and you're like, I'm interested in the story, you got got because there's no one's interested in any of these. And the first section of the faff is micro faff yep july's 2021 xbox live games with gold have been announced and it's planet alpha rock of ages 3 conquer live and reloaded midway arcade origins yo jaren you playing fucking conquer live and reloaded no <laughs> you sound so fucking dead no is no, the I'm covid not. vaccine shot really hitting in is it really no, coming no, in no. right now no no i'm okay Okay, I just sure. I just have no enthusiasm for any of these July 2021 games. Defeated. Dude, that's cuz look at games with gold. I know, man. Look you're that what is it the Godfather that that meme? Look how they massacred my boy. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did they do this to him? I don't know, man, but he's dead. I'll move on, by the way, to the next segment. My The, the returning fucking segment in the faff every week. The duty department, colon, it grows, colon, it breaks, colon, it wins. It's a true <laughs> Call of Duty name. Seven colons. So there's three in the Call of Duty do- duty department. The first one, Warzone has another new texture pack on Xbox Series X. That's why it's growing. <laughs> the, the file size that. is growing even more. I saw. The other Call of Duty news, written by Caleb himself. Oh, Cod God. Black Ops Cold War perk glitch lets players equip five guns. <laughs> yeah, dude. I wrote that article for Screen Rant. You guys can look me up on Caleb Greer at Screen Rant. But uh, there's a new glitch. And here's the, here's the kicker. It's a UI glitch that you can, like you use it with uh, two people, apparently. And you can basically pull up a UI in the background of your other UI thing. I don't know. But it, it allows you to equip five weapons at once in Black Ops Cold War's multiplayer. So you can pull like it uses your lethal slot, your tactical slot and your field upgrade slot, along with your two normal weapon slots to where people are like jumping in a multiplayer with five fucking weapons. And you're like, <laughs> great. Oh, yeah. And then they also you can you can somehow put on the Skulker perk from Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which I never played. But apparently Skulker is in that game and it's not in Black Ops Cold War. But you can put it on in Black Ops Cold War and give yourself super fast crouching speed as well as armor when you start up. All wow. of that at once, <laughs> and you can do it. And apparently this UI glitch existed in Black Ops 3 and Black Ops 4's multiplayer in different ways. So Treyarch hasn't fixed this kind of glitch over like three Black Ops games. And I'm like, God, you guys really gave up. That's crazy. And the last one, wrestler Booker T loses lawsuit against Call of Duty. He didn't like that their character looked like him, sued him, didn't work, he lost. Okay, so what, did, does it look like him? I don't think I've seen it too well. Like, I don't know. Maybe I have. Maybe I've seen the operator, but does it does it look like Booker T? Not according to the law, Caleb. Is it Booker T or Mister T? No, it's Booker T. He was okay. a wrestler. Mister T. They would they would have paid Mister T. They didn't feel the <laughs> okay. need to pay Booker. No one f- the fucking knew who Booker T was anymore when when Activision made that drawing. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. Well, uh, another duty department news segment, dude. I wrote an article about a dude in Warzone who shot the ground, and as he shot the ground, all the bullets wiped a squad of people, and he won the match because he's a hacker. <laughs> So shout out to Warzone being broke every fucking second of my life. It is with the next one, Caleb. People who work in games make more games, dot, dot, dot. Rockstar co-founder Dan Hauser has founded a new studio called Absurd Ventures. Pretty cool name, actually. Yeah, maybe he'll grow it over the next seven, ten years and then Xbox will buy it and he'll be rich. I thought he left because he retired and uh, and then he's like, nah, I'm back and I'm making uh, more games to, I guess, compete against Rockstar. Yeah, he's like he's like Rocky in Rocky what, 4, right? Yeah. <laughs> and in other same news, Mass Effect Trilogy director Casey Hudson has opened a new studio called Humanoid Studios. So there you go. Two big names, two new studios. Or which one will be bought by Microsoft and which one will Sony pay to make a first party game for them without buying them? Who knows, Jaren? But we'll find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, am I right? <laughs> all right the last one quick quips i renamed one sentence reactions because we always give more than one sentence i know but that was the funny joke about it though wasn't it because we <laughs> people would write in and be like ah it's more than one sentence you'd be like nah that's the faff who care <laughs> but i guess this is better jared i was gonna i was gonna ask what happened to one sentence reactions i kind of liked how stupid it was but we'll go with quick quips there you go gta 6 will reportedly only be out in 2025 no shit it will have a fortnite like evolving map <laughs> Oh, a Fortnite-like evolving map? What do you mean? Like the city? Dude, I don't know what they mean by that because technically the current GTA map is evolving. 
Jaren, is there any chance that we're all going to be here in 2025? <laughs> is there really, is there any chance? There's a good chance that we won't be. And you know who might not be here in 2025? Keenan Allen? Media Molecule started making a new game in Dreams and wants the community to finish it. I fucking saw this story and I almost f- fell out of my <laughs> chair, dude. What the fuck? Media Molecule, make another game. You made Little Big Planet, dude. Make a game. I like that they made the game in their own game and still couldn't finish it. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one, which I usually take, has nothing to do with games, but I thought it was funny. Chris Pratt blacked out on Ambien once and challenged Dave Bautista to a wrestling match. That's fucking awesome. This is what I imagine would happen if Caleb got high on drugs. He would challenge me to a wrestling match. I'd win, dude. I'd fucking jujitsu <laughs> your ass into the next planet. For those of you who don't know, I'm about 5'4", and Jaren's about 18'12". So. And that is the end of the X-Block podcast and the start of Caleb and I's wrestling careers. Hell yeah, dude. I'm going to get in there, man. What would we be? We'd be the Jolly Green Giant and his little P. Mm. That would be a good wrestling name. Yeah, a wrestling duo. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the X-Block Podcast. If you would like to listen to us anywhere else, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or anywhere that Anchor supports. And if you want to find us outside of listening to us, feel free to go over to Twitter at X-Block Podcast. Feel free to go to over to Instagram at X-Block Podcast. You can find some of our old TikToks over at, at X-Block Podcast on TikTok. And feel free to hit our Patreon, which Caleb will tell you more about. Real quick, Jaren, uh, are TikToks coming back or is it too much work right now? It will come back. Okay, stay tuned. Yeah, he's got stuff in the works over there. So check out the TikTok. But there are a lot of really great videos on there from before too. So uh, yeah, YouTube as well. At or If you go to type in the X Block Podcast in YouTube, check us out there. I don't know if you mentioned that one. Got to we'll upload all our podcasts there. Patreon.com slash X Block Podcast, dude. Throw us a dollar or all of your Bitcoins wherever you want, however much money, you know, give Jaren all your credit card information. He won't do anything with it too bad, but he may buy me a new microphone for our podcast, <laughs> which would be kind of kind of cool. Mine's getting a little old, still works, but could be improved, you know, could improve the podcast. But if you don't want to give us any money, that's fine. Just check out our podcast anywhere. Leave us reviews wherever you can. That'd be cool too. We don't really, we're not really too upset about it, you know, but if you want to support us, it's there. Yep. And that's all for episode 18, X Block Out. Thanks for listening to the X Block. New episodes every Monday at 5 a.m.